This episode of Innovation Heroes is brought to you by the new SHI. See SHI in a new light. Visit shi.com forward slash new light to learn more. Welcome to SHI's Innovation Heroes, a podcast exploring the people and businesses making a difference in our constantly disrupted world. I'm your host, Ed McNamara. With all the restrictions, lockdowns, reopenings, reclosings, new variants, and never-ending waves, there's one thing I'm really starting to miss. Doing stuff. In person. With other people. I know I'm not alone. Getting back to the great real-life customer experience is something a lot of brands and people are looking forward to. I don't think any retailer or hospitality business worth their salt will ever take the magic of being together for granted again, which is exactly what I want to talk about today on Innovation Heroes. This guest knows how to build something truly magical, and I'm going to see what lessons they can share with the rest of us. Our story starts in a mysterious, futuristic-looking bunker in the heart of Las Vegas with Area 15 stamped on the side of it. And to be frank, I still find it hard to explain the awesome wonderland contained within. There's food, there's immersive experiences, there's incredible art, there's design, there's unique retail, there's there's technology interlacing all of it. And, and there's you, there's the visitor. And I think that's kind of part of the DNA. It's designed to transform the, the visitor from a spectator into a participant. It, it gets you in there and it gets you in deep. There's definitely something amazing happening here. Something that I think we can all learn a lesson from. I know our customers at SHI are all hoping to figure out how to not just keep up, but also to push forward into making things better for our customers, ourselves, and the future of our in-person, digital, and hybrid experiences. These are these incredibly important moments in our human development. We're all midwives to this process and the human beings are transforming and most of us are really unsure and scared about the future and how we fit into it. And every day there's some new paradigm that's being toppled and a whole new thing that's coming in. How do you fit into that conversation? I think is one of the things that I wouldn't say it's the main directive of Area 15, but I've always held it quite close to my heart that it be a place where people can experience a technology but surrounded by enough of a narrative and enough of a comforting experience that they don't think of it as change. Luckily, I get to go right to the source to find out more about this enchanting tech playground. Michael Benville is the chief creative officer of Area 15, as well as the founder and CEO of Benville Studios. He's the perfect person to walk us through what Area 15 is, how it came to be, and what they're achieving out there. Michael, thank you for joining us on Innovation Heroes today. Pleasure to be here with you, Ed. Where are you joining us from today? Today, I am joining you from uh, from Venice Beach, California. But my, my life is sort of spread across the, the country. That is fantastic. What an interesting place and very jealous. And, uh, and thanks again for joining us today. It's a pleasure. This seems like a big ask, especially for a podcast, which is audio based. So I'm going to ask you to describe something that is extremely visual. Um, But since there's so much happening at Area 15, what's your elevator pitch for what Area 15 is for listeners who don't already know? That is a big ask. And I'm asked it all the time. (laughs) Area 15 is a 
bunker of mind-bogglingly, mind-bending experiences. I went down a a YouTube wormhole a little bit. The best one that I found said Area 15, coolest slash weirdest place in Las Vegas. How How do you feel about that assessment? I feel great about it. Uh, that is precisely, really, I think, what we set out to achieve. You know, we, we, we had a tremendous challenge, which is what, what do you offer a city that already has everything uh, and has done it so well? Uh, and so cool and weird was really what we thought <laughs> we, should, uh, we should deliver. One of the thoughts that came to my mind was that basically the entire city practically is built on visual stimuli, like, you know, right down to the to the carpets of the casinos that are so bad that they force your eyes to look back up again. You know, as a as a as a designer and as somebody who had to to, to pull this together as, as chief creative officer is doing this in a city that is so visually oriented, is that intimidating or do you embrace that? Or is it uh, a little bit of both? I'm incredibly excited to have had the opportunity or to have the opportunity to add something to the landscape of Las Vegas. And we took the challenge really seriously because we felt that everyone had really done all of it before and done it really, really well. So what could we add that would be different? And that's where we stumbled on a place that we felt would be welcoming welcoming to a a, a psychographic, not even a demographic, but a psychographic of people who are are looking for a deeper connection to a place, um, an alternative, maybe a kind of a counterculture piece of it, something that resonates with with all that. You know, me, kind of like a geek raised on Star Wars and and, uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons and all of that kind of a thing, but also grew up and likes to go to, you know, amazing Burning Man and things like that. So, you know, what would you create that would resonate with that, that person? Um, and, and throw a big, wide, open, inclusive net so that everybody felt welcome. And we weren't building something that was a, a that had a barrier to entry, um, but we were building it for people who would want to discover something and would be willing to cross Route 15. Uh, you know, we're only seven, eight minutes from, from the center of the strip, but that is a huge barrier. Just getting somebody out of their hotel room is a huge barrier. So we needed to we needed to build something that would that would capture the imagination and actually make you want to to make that journey. Uh, and so that's where I think the you know are, am I intim- how was I intimidated by the design and everything that is Las Vegas? Um, and I think you know any any artist any creator any designer should always be humbled by what has been come before and yet have the confidence to contribute to it and design something that that is resonant but we were never going to win in Las Vegas uh by by outspending uh the strip that's that's not that's that would be a fool's goal there's no outspending it uh so what we had to do was uh what my your friend and mentor Bob Pittman says is you outperform the competition using creativity instead of dollars. And I think that we've achieved that. What's the mission that drives Area 15 and what was the inspiration behind you wanting to create this sort of uh, experiential tech space? The mission that drives Area 15 now 
uh, is, as I said before, I think it is it is genuinely about giving the uh, the guest the, the opportunity to transform from a from a visitor and a spectator into a participant. How we achieve that, I think, is uh, that has a great deal to do with technology. It also has a great deal to do with the ancient archetypes of just storytelling and the things that sort of pull you in. And and I always think technology. Uh, wants to go hand in hand with what we know about uh, the past because buried in our past are the ways that we respond to things and and wh- why we want and why we need and how we use tools and how we how they resonate with us and how they move us so so when we're mindful of those two things when we can you know take the the ancient lore <laughs> if you will uh, and combine it with the new technology or the you know the archetypes of the past with the technology of the present that I think gives us something that's really vibrant um, and meaningful for this day and age. The mission of Area 15 at the beginning was to get people to come. We needed them to take a leap of faith, cross the highway into something they didn't know or understand, and we needed to achieve it in a really strategic way. Uh, and so at the beginning, we, you know, Area 15 does not exist was our motto. And we built this monolithic black, you know, bunker on the side of the highway uh, with this, call it, you know, aircraft carrier writing almost on the side of it. And that was all by design and by choice. I sort of think of Kubrick and his monolith in, in 2001 and how, in my mind, he's describing the outside of a universe there. How would you describe the outside of the universe? You go into it, it's infinite, but on the outside, what does it look like? And so that's what Area 15, the building, architecturally, why why uh, why I wanted to make it that way. And, um, and, and the reason is that it's a counterpoint to what is the glitz and blitz of of the strip and so those two things i think can riff off of each other um it can be this 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 tent that houses and leverages the experience economy but it also it also allows for uh for tech i think to be experienced in a way where the user and the visitor is uh their heart is more open to the exploration of tech uh, and these are, in some cases, the first time that a person will have ever achieved or experienced a VR headset or an untethered VR headset or an untethered VR headset paired with, a, you know, an object that's uh, going to, you know, move with them. I, I think I do have a feel for what you're saying, because as you were as you were speaking, you were talking about being, you know, within the, the the art form whereas if you're if you're in a museum there's you know maybe a, maybe there's a painting hanging on the wall and you're standing here and it's standing there but then when you're at a concert hall the music is all around you right so you're trying to get both of those feelings you're hosting someone within the the art space itself right and and therefore they're they're literally entering your world as as an artist if 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 you will you're, you're making me recall Jeff Goldblum's character in uh, Jurassic Park when they, they jump out of the Jeep because he's all into chaos theory. And he's like, see, no one could have predicted the other two doctors would have jumped out of the Jeep right now. <laughs> and your, your installation is totally embracing that because you don't really know what people are. I mean, you can suspect what people are going to do when they get in there, but you don't you don't really know. Right. No, you don't. But uh, but but by the age of 51, you anticipate I have the good fortune uh, working with my team to 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 be a, a dreamer and a creator and I get to see into worlds that don't exist and I get to literally just sketch them out on the back of a piece of paper and then suddenly, not suddenly, with the collaborative effort of tremendous numbers of people and all sorts of, you know, it's a real team effort. But then you're standing there 
And this thing that was an idea that became a drawing, that became a file, that became this, that went through all the the, the processes that it takes to actually bring a, 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 a project like that to life is open. And now we've had some 2 million people go through it um, in just the first year and month or so. It's a wonderful exercise because when, when you... When you do have the the gift of actually just the joy of being able to imagine something and then actually have the opportunity to see it built, you get to test all of these predictions out in your head. And then you see, do people actually gravitate towards it? What do they stick with? And and it's amazing. I mean, it's fantastic for me that the, the arrival to Area 15, which has a sort of a forced perspective, and you're in the bright light, and then you pass through this, this, this tunnel, through this huge, you know, A, which is on the outside of the bunker, and your, your eyes are adjusting to the light, and the doors open, and then boom, right in front of you is this unbelievable projection map skull you know five projectors make it happen it's 16 17 feet tall and to a person everybody stops and says wow and they of course take out their phone and take a picture of it but and that's exactly that's exactly what you thought they would do that's what you want but then of course there are all the things that you don't think they'll do most good and every once in a while you learn something. It's always the dirt paths across the grass that are actually more interesting than the ones people imagine the, 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 you know, the students will take as they cross the quad, right? The, and the designer wants, the artist, I think, wants to anticipate those and leave room for them. And I think that's another way in which each visitor to Area 15 actually colors the experience and shapes it. Um, so we learn, I learn a great deal just by sitting on the mez level and staring down and do it all the time, all the time. And usually with a big smile on my face. <laughs> Hi, I'm Christina Combs, a marketing programs manager at SHI. If you've been following us on social or visited SHI.com lately, you might've noticed things are looking a little bit different. And while we hope you love our new branding as much as we do, it's the evolution behind the logo that has us really excited. The reality is we aren't the same company we were even just a few years ago. We've transformed how we work with customers, large and small, and where we add value to stakeholders, from the executive suite to those charged with procuring and onboarding new technologies. Today, SHI has even more ridiculously helpful experts than ever before, ready to help you transform, collaborate, protect, and optimize your business for whatever comes next. So, if you still see SHI as a traditional reseller of software and hardware, maybe it's time to look at SHI in a new light. Visit shi.com forward slash new light for more information. Clearly, Michael has an amazing mind to have helped birth such an innovative space. But like any great leader, he's also got an amazing team to help turn his vision into reality. So I wanted to help get some advice for anyone else who needs to build a top-notch creative and technical team. Creating this obviously, you know, required an incredible amount of creativity, which which can be exhausting, quite frankly, after a while. But um, sticking with the Vegas theme, you know, and kind of in Ocean's Eleven, when they list out all the people they're going to need to pull this off. Right. We're going to need a, a lifter, the pickpocket or whatever. I don't even know what the names of these things were. But um, how did you, you know, knowing that 
that that amount of creativity was going to be needed. Um, how did you assemble the team of, of artists and innovators that, you know, in order to get this done? Like a lot of people who are listening have to assemble, you know, either a, a, an innovative team or maybe a creative team. You know, what, what were your first thoughts in terms of like, who am I going to need to get this done? This is a, a tour de force that involves partners and tenants and all sorts of other groups that have been brought in and and very much, uh, you know, really at the heart and center of it is uh, Winston Fisher and and Fisher Brothers, who own the land, are the real estate developers and really took a huge risk, uh, which at the time, I think, probably seemed like lunacy to a lot of the people around him. You know, we presented Winston with three very, very good ideas. And to his credit, he went with the craziest one. Um, And not only did he go with it, he, you know, we have an incredible uh, business and creative partnership as well. I mean, it's just nonstop. There's, you know, it it texts in the middle of the night and have you seen this and all of that. And and we've grown, you know, the team has grown now to to many, many hundreds of people, Um, all all. all seekers, all on a path to make something truly different. So at its heart, it really, it is really relationship based. People I've known, worked with, that we've worked with coming together um, at different points. Once the vision was was articulated, then adding, you know, more and more of those those experts into to different places and fields. To say that we began by imagining it exactly as it is today would be a total, you know, would be very misleading. Um, it was at a much smaller scale. Well, actually, it was at a huge scale at first. I said, hey, let's crash a spaceship into all the land. But because we can't afford to build an ARC spaceship, um, we'll just build the remnant parts that, you know, that, that were left over, like, you know, so we won't have to build the whole ship. We can build the, 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 you know, the call it the holodeck and the aquarium and all those things. And then we'll put hazmat shelters and everything around it. And Winston said, that's amazing. It's going to cost $2 billion. We're not doing that out of the gate. So that area 15 began as a, you know, began as a two weekend party. And then it turned into a three, four million dollar building is you know, what it should be. And it's, you know, obviously uh, many times bigger than that. Um, a team is formed by the people that, you know, and that's where it starts. Um, a team is accelerated by adding to it all of the things that you don't know. Um, in the case of our partnership with Winston Fisher and Fisher Brothers, that's been extraordinary because, you know, I've said it to Winston a lot of times, you've. The Sistine Chapel is incredible, but it's a dance between Michelangelo and the Pope. And the there you can't separate those two. They, they wouldn't there wouldn't be one without the other. And um, and so I think the creativity of commerce is an incredibly important part of bringing something like this sort of creativity to life. Uh, if you're not if you're not partnered with or dancing with somebody who really understands the bottom line, sees the world creatively in black and white as well as red, uh, and then the full spectrum of color, like, you know, appreciates all of that. It's an artist's mistake, I think, to um, to assume that all the folks around them that, that are the business side of it don't know anything about creativity or bringing it to life. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different ways to, to be creative and you need pretty much all of those on your, on your extended team. Um, obviously you get to work with a lot of, you know, innovative tech, both at area 15 and some of the other projects you're involved with. So 
Michael, what do you predict is going to be the most transformative in the years to come? You know, things that other people and companies should be paying more attention to now. I think that that the metaverse and uh, and and this digital world that we've opened up, um, you know, humanity has opened up a fissure in the universe, and uh, and and now we're pouring in. Uh, and we have been for quite some time. We already have, have been living in, in a metaverse. It's just that the devices and the tools by which we enter it and through which we see it aren't yet so seamless that they, they, they transport us, right? It, we're still kind of locked somewhere around uh, the age of a television that's got a screen that's about, you know, 10 inches wide and there's, I don't know, you know, some something playing on it that's not as good as listening to the radio. That's that's relatively where we are in terms of what what's to come. Uh, and so I'm 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 incredibly excited about that. Um, and I'm, I'm of course, I'm as concerned as, as anybody would be. But that's why I think it's a it's a it's a rallying call for for designers and creators and artists and engineers to think of a human centric metaverse and to think of how it actually dovetails and, and accentuates the beauty of our own world um, and maybe take some of the, the, the non-beautiful things of our world and makes them more beautiful. Um, I liken it, uh, you know, I've said it in the past, I liken it to to wallpaper back in the invention of wallpaper made murals possible for for uh, industrialists and and for ultimately anyone who could you know buy some wallpaper. Um, that's what that's what augmented reality and these layers are are opening up around us, and it's surrounding us already. It's just that people haven't seen it. They and they don't know how much it's surrounding them already. We already live in a metaverse. It's called the World Wide Web. We just, uh, you know, we're entering into the point now where we can truly navigate it. And I'm deeply involved um, in a in a company and a group that uh, that is working on precisely that. Um, and that's been that's really fascinating, fascinating project. In terms of this uh, experiential tech, so, you know, when movies came out, they said, well, that's going to be the end of stage shows, right? And then when the VCR came out, said, well, that's going to be the end of movies, right? And then VR came out and, and the home ex the home entertainment experience is clearly nothing like you and I experienced as a kid. But in the post-COVID age, like how important is it that this is something that you have to go someplace and, and, and experience, you know, in terms of like Area 15? Do you, how much of a factor do you think that that plays in that it's it's not something that that's attainable um, just through you know the ever improving technology that that's available to us you know in the home. Well, um, if you look at the portfolio of interests and creations uh, that I'm working on, um, I think that the answer is as I believe completely in all of it. Um, I don't think one effectively works without the other. Which isn't to say that humanity couldn't find some way to survive in the matrix and that we might be able to upload ourselves into it but would our lives actually be better you know um and uh, you know maybe the generations to come will uh, will will think very differently about it but but for me um my hedge is that it's the that it's the two combined with a really artful portal in between that is so important that I, I agree completely with you that no new technology um, wipes out the old technology. It just adds another tool to the kit, right? And then it becomes what the use case is. How, how do I want to engage with this? Um, do I need it? I mean, I 
I use my phone all day long. I've got Oculus goggles. I use, I, I text, I FaceTime, I do, you know, it, it, all these different things are happening, but I still read a book. Um, and I like a magazine by the pool cause it doesn't get wet and I can actually read it in the sun. Um, you know, they're all elegant. They're all elegant solutions for, for different ways of getting through life. We should be generous and bountiful enough, I think, to be able to live with the full spectrum of them and to use them as, as is our, as is our pleasure, right? Or as, as our need, you know, we're right on the cusp of, do I actually really need or want this? Well, in the last two years for a lot of people, not for everybody, but for those who are solvent enough or had access enough to computers and things, it wasn't that life ended. It just profoundly changed. Do I still want human interaction? Absolutely. Does it bug me sometimes to get on a plane and go all the way across the country for a two hour meeting that I could have done pretty effectively in a, in, in a meeting space? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and, and I think that that's why projects like I'm working on right now with, um, with Adam Spatial Web and all these things are these, these platform tools that allow you to build your own metaverse in a platform that's vertically integrated with all of the digital objects and NFTs and things that you might want or need, and that it's human-centric. It's actually... You know, it's a plugin. We could create an avatar. Of course, we can have a, be a giant bunny rabbit or a, or, a, or a bat. But we're starting off with video discs that move around complex environments because that actually allows me to make eye contact with a human being. And the metaverse is not a game. Um, the metaverse is another place to live. So we will play games in it, but it's it's a great deal more than that. And I think it it then needs to have, a, a, I don't know, a social code or a heart or a center that allows us to navigate it as human beings um, with a capital H. And I stand on the shoulders of really, really wise, uh, you know, folks who have you know, schooled me over the, <laughs> the last uh, six, seven years. Um, in in this kind of thinking, and I and I genuinely appreciate the the approach that we're all taking to it, where some of us are. You know, this shouldn't be something that strips your humanity out and sells you uh, sells you off, you know, for uh, for chum <laughs> down the road. This is a moment in time where if, where idealistically, if this could all be handled correctly, the the human being would be at the control and at the heart and at the center of their life and their well-being with the ability to create and 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 uh, conduct business and move and interact and all of those things and and you own you um you know that that would be the grand idea absolutely you mentioned the movie the matrix really quickly there and i i always like there's a little part in that first movie where they they've just alluded to the first version of the matrix didn't work because nobody believed it right they kind of touched on that a little bit right there and i, I always thought that that, mo- that that little five second clip made that movie so much more believable and better to me because it's like yeah we we tried it once before and it didn't it didn't work because it wouldn't they didn't buy the human aspect of it you know and uh, i think a little bit of that is what what you were talking about there, like how we desire to, to be, you know, generally with others. Yeah. And you have, you have to get that right. Yeah. And one doesn't replace the other. You know, it's not, I I don't think we should fear that human beings are going to put on their Oculus headsets and disappear. I mean, it's just not, I mean, I've had every headset that came out. I have not disappeared. (laughs) You know, I, and in fact, you know, I, I, I need the form factor to get a lot better before I spend any amount of time in there. So these things are all evolving. Um, and, and, and I think it's the responsibility of all of us to make them 
human-centric, useful to society. I can't let you go until I ask one more question. And you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons at the beginning of our conversation. Uh, what was your favorite character that you ever you ever owned when you were uh, when, back as a kid? You know, I always kind of wanted to be the paladin and all of that, but there were other guys in the group who just were the paladin. So I, you know, I yeah. just yeah, <laughs> and and it wasn't it it isn't really me. Uh, I liked I always liked. I liked being an elf. I liked being an archer. I liked having a little, uh, you know, being able to to lift a pocket or, or two, but, you know, for, <laughs> for, for, for all for good. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of where I... Uh, where I landed, but a tall elf, you know, <laughs> a, a tall striking elf. Like, of course. That's how I got over the paladin piece of it. But I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I really learned so much from playing those games uh, and, and connecting with my friends late into the night and so much of the vocabulary that's in my head and the things I think about. And it, it's, you know, I look at Area 15 and it's the story of a couple of dorks growing up and building the place that they wanted to go to when they were kids. And I used to go to the mall and there was a little gaming shop and then the rest of it was crap. Like I couldn't care less about it all. And now we got to flip it on its head and uh, and Winston and I, the team have just been able to create the, the mall for me. <laughs> you know? I think uh, I learned just so much by playing those games. And I wonder now whether... Yeah, I know there's a bit of a renaissance, uh, and a lot of a renaissance in it. I wonder whether the the next generation gets to engage in that part of their mind as as much. Um, it's so much more visual, and good God, it's everything I always wanted when we were kids, right? And then there it is. But there there was something really special about having it all be theater of the mind uh, that really formed me, and I think it it allowed me to. I think it allowed me, honestly, to say, as I said before, that to have the ability to see worlds that don't yet exist and to bring them to life, um, that that has served me really, really, really well. Yes, it has. Michael Benville, Chief Creative Officer at Area 15. I want to just thank you for your, your time today. And I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much. Ed, it was such a pleasure. Area 15 is for sure on my travel list for the next time I'm out visiting good old Las Vegas. But I'm also looking forward to the amazing digital capabilities that people like Michael can see just over the horizon too. Experiential tech is on the rise, and I totally believe in Michael's vision of what the digital world will soon look and feel like. Having creative leaders like him at the helm makes our wildest fantasies of the future of tech seem not just possible, but also close at hand. With projects like Area 15 and all the other astonishing things Michael and his teams are working on, I can't wait to see what the future holds for us all. Thanks for listening to this episode of Innovation Heroes. Next time on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Julian Serco, co-founder of Hive, the world's most sophisticated acoustic AI app. Powered by deep neural networks, Hive runs on any smartphone to identify coughs and other symptoms in real time. In other words, it has the potential to completely change the modern healthcare system as we know it. So tune in in two weeks. You won't want to miss it. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider being our hero. Smash that like and subscribe button to Innovation Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Innovation Heroes is a Pilgrim content production in collaboration with SHI. Our producers are Tobin Dalrymple and Jessica Schmidt, with production assistance from Carmi Levy, Ronnie Lattimore, Jane Norman, Amanda Sheffer-Cavanaugh, and Ryan Wetter. 
I'm your host, Ed McNamara, and I'll be back with another amazing story in two weeks. This episode of Innovation Heroes was brought to you by the new SHI. Visit shi.com forward slash new light to learn more.